What's up, peeps? Welcome back. As always, I'm your host, Lee Benson. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast edition of the AEW Insider. As always, we got a heck of a show lined up. We got a lot of wrestlers who are beefing, ex-managers actually taking shots at current managers, people threatening to sue, major WWE firing, what have you. Remember, if you want to hear how you can win a Series 1 Chris Jericho action figure, stick around to the end of the podcast. And they're going to go fast. Honestly, Cody Rhodes just tweeted today or yesterday how you can order them because he knows they're going to sell out. So you got to get them while they can. So if you want a Chris Jericho one for yourself, make sure you stick around to the end of the show. Speaking of the show, let's get to it. A-E-W. Now, TNT will be airing a special of AEW this Friday night at 10 p.m. It's the night before Double or Nothing, which is this Saturday. It is called The Countdown to Double or Nothing. Later in the week, I will have the full card for the pay-per-view and my predictions, so make sure you're on the lookout for that. Brody Lee did an interview with TalkSport. He revealed who we talked to about joining AEW and how it is having more creative freedom there. Well, pretty much creative, any creative freedom at all compared to WWE. Lee said, After getting re-released from WWE last December, and thanks to me keeping in touch with multiple people, he did receive several calls about joining up with AEW. I reached out to many people during a year-long process that since AEW had been in existence. Even Cody, since he left WWE, stayed in contact. I would always message these people like Cody or the Young Bucks whenever they had a great match and said, fucking awesome job, man. We discussed AEW matches in the WWE locker room as well, and Chris Jericho was someone I have always stayed in contact with, too. As soon as the releases came down, I got several calls from people, and he laughed. It was heartwarming and refreshing, and a monkey off my back. Once plans were decided that Lee would become the Dark Order's exalted one, he was then told the vision of the group, and it would be a vision of his own. Lee found it both surprising and refreshing how much input he would have with the direction of his character. He said, It was laid out to me to be whatever I wanted it to be. In regards to where the Dark Order was headed, it's my vision. Now I make it what I want. It kind of got thrown for a loop with the, when the pandemic started because we had some things going on that we were going to get to. We weren't able to, but we will get to those. We have a group of mentally to conquer things. We have a group mentality, excuse me, to conquer things. But like I said, not everybody is around, so I had to do it on my own. In terms of brainstorming, it's more like, hey, what do you think? This is what I think, and we bounce off each other, and we get to a conclusion pretty quickly. It's pretty refreshing, I'll be honest with you. I'll put it this way. When I did my debut promo vignette, I kind of asked some people, well, what do you want me to say? And they said, this is your promo. This is your vignette. You say what you want to say. You've been a cage animal for so long. You go ahead and do what you like. So I was like, okay. I put a little promo together and it came off very well. At the, and the same thing with the last week. 
That was pretty much the first time I spoke it on a live mic for over 10 seconds in the last eight years because I was never given the opportunity to do that with WWE. It was kind of the same process. Hey, go say whatever you want to say. Just make sure you lay out the challenge to him and make sure he accepts it. So like he said, it's like a cage animal being there. I mean, it must be awesome to him. He's got to be loving what he's doing, just like everybody else pretty much who went to AEW, besides Kylie Ray, whatever that trader's name is. Anyway, on the WWE. Well, WWE has chose to let go of another great wrestler. WWE has decided not to renew Drew Gulak's contract. After he requested a pay increase, they did offer to renew Drew on the same terms, but after he tried to negotiate, WWE pulled the offer altogether, and Gulak is no longer with the company. Gulak had been with the company since 2016 as part of the Cruiserweight division on 205 Live. Eventually, he would make his way to SmackDown as part of the 2019 draft, where his career highlight would be working with Daniel Bryan where the pair mutually respected each other. His final match with the company was losing to Brian in the first round in the tournament to crown the new Intercontinental Champion, what they have going on right now. Before working with WWE, Gulak worked for an independent, uh, a bunch of independent places. He worked for CZW, who are great, Chikara, who is great, PWG, and Evolve, who's awesome also. It also has been revealed that he is free to work anywhere he wants ASAP following his firing. It's funny how WWE allows that a lot more now that the world is in a pandemic and there's no indie shows to actually go and perform at. So pretty much unless AEW picks them up, Impact Wrestling, and I don't even think Ring of Honor is doing anything. I haven't seen it. Or like NWA, he's pretty much screwed. So it's the same thing as giving him a 90-day clause in his contract. WWE can be really, really fucked up at times, people. And it was crazy to me because he was getting a nice push finally working with Daniel Bryan. And if you ask me, Gulak, Gulak is a major talent and he's got major skills. It's definitely WWE's loss. All right, peace. We got to pay the brakes. Uh, excuse me, the bills real quick. I was going to say hit the brakes. We got to pay the bills real quick. And we got to get back to the Mark Henry, Leo Rush beef. Leo Rush actually had the balls to respond to Mark Henry and was smart about it, too. So definitely stay tuned. Come right back. All right, peeps, thank you very much for coming back and joining us. Remember to show us some love on all major podcasting platforms, also on Facebook and YouTube under the AEW Insider, and on Twitter under the AEW Insider 1, as in the number one. And remember, if you want to win that Chris Jericho AEW action figure that's dropping this summer, stick around to the end of the show to find out how. Let's get back to the show. Now, I have been covering the Mark Henry-Leo Rush beef since Henry brought it up months ago on Busted Open Radio. Well, Leo responded to Henry's latest rant on him. Wrestling Inc. did a nice job of covering the entire beef, so in case you miss it, I'll do their recap. And just keep in mind, if I say like today, yesterday, for most of it, it's actually in the time that it happened, and this has been over a span since 2019. But originally, Mark Henry said, I pulled him aside the last time I saw him and I told him, I'm hearing a lot of stuff in the locker room. What's wrong? Leo told me nothing's wrong, but it was a blatant lie to my face. I let him know that if he has any questions, right now is the time to ask them or we could do, you know what I mean? I can help him handle something. He didn't say anything to me, told me everything was good, and from what I hear now, it's totally different. 
Now, earlier this week, Rush was Rush posted a video clip of Henry mentioning those comments again and didn't appreciate Henry talking about him. Rush said, don't even know why I'm still entertaining this. Keep my name in your mouth, if you please. You literally have nothing better to do than continue to talk shit on the situation that happened over a year ago about a 25-year-old who just lost his damn job. Sorry, guys, but I've been holding my breath for way too long. People like this need to get called out. It's sickening, it's disappointing, and it's extremely discouraging. I love my fans, and I pray that one day in the future that the state of this kind of matter progresses. And this is why African-American talent on the biggest platform will continue not to have equal opportunity, because people like you, Mark Henry, constantly tear your own people down. It's a damn shame, honestly. Now, the latter part of the quote bothered Henry enough to tell TMZ Sports he's considering suing for legal action. Mark Henry said, The reason he came out with it now is because he knew we'd get a lot of attention. I got a lot of followers. He released an album or a song or something like that. He wanted to use this to get attention, to get some buzz. I'm not mad at him, but if he would have called me, we could have did the same thing and we could have worked it out. But now he has he has said something slanderous. You cannot question my blackness. Nobody can pull my black card. It's not allowed. Nobody. If you go down in a performance center, probably 25, I think people of color in the facility, probably about 80%, I helped them get there. I mean, it's completely opposite for him. Uh, he said this and that and all that, but I did help him get there, blah, blah, blah. Now, this morning, Rush reacted to Henry's video, which garnered another response from Henry, claiming to have partially saved Rush's spot with the company last year. He said, couldn't I just do the same for publicity well, by deframing my name on national radio, Rush asked? And he did say deframing instead of defaming. He said, Mark Henry, come on, man. You're going out sad. You deserve to be remembered for the greatest heel turn ever, not for threatening to sue a 25-year-old in the middle of a pandemic. You probably mean defame. You have done that to yourself, Henry responded. Just own it and move on. This is the last time we communicate unless it's for an apology. And by the way, you're welcome for me asking a company not to fire you, fire you a year ago. Tell your fans that. Rush responded with the following. That goddamn autocorrect, Rush wrote. Silly mean. He said deframe, not defame. Listen, Mark, you went on a worldwide podcast with your 1.3 million followers and called me a liar defaming my name. It's clear that you're chasing clout here, not me. You told yourself in TMZ video. This is sad. It's real sad. It's big sad. And by the way, Mark Henry, if you saved my job back then, thanks. You were my first wrestling toy back in the day. Luckily, it didn't talk like you do. One more thing, if you don't mind, Mark Henry. Good for you for getting that 80% hired. I wasn't one of them, though, so I owe you nothing. You weren't inside of my checks, nor did I work for you. I don't even know you, man. Stop being weird. I was taught not to, I was taught not to talk to strangers. That's fucking nuts. Anyway, that beef is going to continue. I can't wait to see where it goes. Let's move on to Keith Lee. Wrestling Inc. also reported that back in 2008, Keith Lee portrayed his first role in WWE as a bodyguard, whose job was to keep Triple H, Vince, and Shane McMahon off of Legacy, which was Randy Orton, Cody Rose, and Ted DiBiase. Lee was almost in tears of laughter when reciting the story to Lillian Garcia on Chasing Glory. Lee said, So in 2008, 
He will never take credit for this, but a gentleman by the name of Lance Hoyt, a.k.a. AEW's Lance Archer, got me some extra work in WWE, which led to my first tryout. From there on, they just used me whenever they came around Texas. That particular day was interesting. I was obviously chosen because I looked like I could be a security guard. I really think I, that I got the joke played on me. Vince looked very confused when he came out because someone told me that I would be great if I went, excuse me, if I went down as soon as Vince hit me. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I'm going to make him really proud. Lo and behold, they came out. Vince jaws me right in the mouth and I go down. Then I look up and I see him start beating on somebody else. Me going down surprised them because I was the biggest out there. So all these guys are getting beat up and eventually I stand up. Triple H has me in a grip. Vince is taking body shots on me and Shane comes over and tries to grab my head, but instead he thumbs me right in the eye. Now I can't see anything. Then Triple H takes me and runs me towards the barricade. I can't see what's happening. I can't see anything. My ribs hurt. But backstage, they told me I did a great job. And that's awesome. Look at him now, man. That guy's going to be huge in WWE. And I can't wait to see Keith Lee fight Brock Lesnar after what we've seen at the Royal Rumble this year. All right, peeps. we got to take one more break. i got some crazy wrestling news. One old manager was making fun of a wrestler's looks and just crazy, crazy shit. So we'll be right back. All right, peeps, welcome back. Let's finish up this show. Let's get on to random wrestling slash sporting news. Well, Jim Cornette is at it again. On his most recent podcast, he took a shot at Dana Brooke, and she responded. While he was reviewing last Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, Cornette would say that Dana's Brooke face looked like it had caught fire, and somebody put it out with an axe. Obviously bothered with this, she would call Cornette out on Twitter. She said, Cornette, how about you stop hiding behind a keyboard and come say it to my face? Because I doubt you would when you see me in person, you mark. How about it? Stop spreading the hate and spread positivity. I can't wait to see where that beef goes. That's pretty awesome. And again, Jim Cornette also said that Becky Lynch, a.k.a. the man, was giving up millions of dollars a year to become the mom. Dave Meltzer also reported the rumor that Lynch would not be getting paid. He said, as far as I know, and I don't know any different, she's going to get her downside. And they're going to say they're going to sell merchandise for her for the year. And, you know, they are going to market her for a year. She won't be able to wrestle for a year. And whether she comes back, I mean, none of us know. But it was noted that WWE has the right to freeze her contract. So we'll have to see what WWE decides to do. But at this time, the man is still getting her WWE money. Now, there has been a lot of talk about Owen Hart. His story is the final of this season's Dark Side of the Ring. I reported on my last show how his wife Martha claimed that WWE was using scare tactics on her after he passed. Well, it is now being revealed that WWE would not let him out of his contract after his brother Bet Brett jumped ship to WCW. And if they did, he would still be alive now. Listen to this, peeps. WWE had just introduced a contract that locked you in for five years. Owen was locked into his contract. He requested to be let go when everything happened with his brother. They said no. 
they weren't going to let him go. The way the contract worked was if you didn't work, you can't work for somebody else. You don't necessarily have to work, but if you don't, then you're not making any money and you can't go anywhere else to make it. It was very honor. It was a very onerous contract and it only benefited the company, not the wrestler. Owen was really in a tough situation. He didn't have a choice. You either have to stay here or you go nowhere. It was emotionally difficult to see his brother so upset and betrayed, and yet to still have to fulfill his commitment that he made to the company. And that's pretty fucked up, man. I made a mistake by saying he would be alive to this day. I mean, we hope he would be, but if they did let him go, he wouldn't have got killed in a ring like he did. I actually watched that live on TV when I was younger, and it was pretty, pretty fucked up. Now, UFC is not letting fans into their events, but good old JR got to attend the latest one. It's crazy to me he is not allowed on AEW for fear of his age and his past health issues with the coronavirus out there, but he's at UFC. Yes, the people in the crowd were spread apart, but she's JR. You're playing Russian roulette with your life there, bud. And finally, the revival hit a major speed bump. They received a cease and desist order for using the name Revolt. The Revolt are well known in the independent professional wrestling circuit, and they are current PWX World Tag Team Champions. Mr. Burnett and Mr. Riley sell a range of Revolt-branded merchandise, including t-shirts, hats, DVDs, and it was shown in Exhibit A. The revolt has their excuse me. The revolt has been their passion for years, and they have literally put their blood, sweat, and tears into building the revolt brand and connecting with their fans. So that's the statement that was released on it. That's what the cease and desist pretty much said. So the revival, aka the revolt, aka has to pick a new fucking name. All right, peeps, if you do want to shop to win an AEW Series 1 action figure, go to our YouTube channel. We're under the AEW Insider. You can pick any video that you like. You have to be subscribed, so if you're not subscribed, make sure you do so. Beside that, pick any video, like, share, and comment. That's it. Be a subscriber to our YouTube, like, share, and comment, and boom. As soon as the Chris Jericho Series 1 AEW action figure ships this summer, I'll mail it right out to you. Once again, remember to show us some love on all major podcasting platforms, including Facebook and YouTube under the AEW Insider, and on Twitter under the AEW Insider 1, as in the number one. And remember, I'll be back later in the week to have my predictions, my thoughts of the upcoming Doubler pay-per-view of the, that's going on for AEW this weekend. I'll talk to you soon, peeps. Ciao. <laughs> Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.